This is your pal Daffy Duck, and you're watching. You're watching. We're watching. You're watching Fanboy. 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 Fanboy, etc. Fanboy Nation. Dad, I assume Tom. This morning, I have the pleasure of speaking with the filmmakers of Cowboy, a documentary story, John Langmore and Bud Force. How are you today? Doing great. How are you today, RC? I am great. This is a gorgeous documentary shot in natural light that follows these ranchers, essentially, uh, going across the western United States uh, in a forgotten industry. Um, you know, I'm surprised that people forget that cowboying exists because at the bare minimum, you know, we see the rodeo on television. Yes, sir. Unfortunately, these days, people are, are oftentimes pretty far removed uh, from their food production. You know, you go into the grocery store and you want a steak, or you want to grill up some hamburgers, and you go into the beef aisle and you see your meat packaged up beautifully in, in saran wrap. And I don't think a lot of folks really think about who it is, the actual people who are producing that beef and getting it from the pasture uh, right there to the grocery store, and, and what they do see in relation to the cowboy are the are the rodeo cowboys, or are the TV cowboys, and uh, and those aren't necessarily the, the actual people who are providing the world's beef, like the cowboys that we explore and this culture that we explore in in this film. Right, I was just RC. It's funny. Please go. Ahead. I was just going to say it's funny that you started off with that comment because. That is, when we screen this, the first thing everyone says is, I had no idea that world still existed in the 21st century, that people lived their lives that way. See, that surprises me that that, that happens, because there are variations of the cowboy across the world, uh, depending on the culture. It's just not, you know, called cowboy somewhere else. It's a, it's a very American or North American thing. The, that surprises me that people still don't realize that. Yeah, no, it's a very common refrain um, that, you know, but but they've been talking about the cowboy dying since the invention of barbed wire. So I think it's that end of that. You know, and one thing we really wanted to show with the film was that the working cowboy is alive and well. You know, there's there's a, probably as many as there was, you know, 40, 50 years ago working on the same big outfits that have been around for, you know, anywhere from 50 to 100 years. Right. Um, in the documentary you mentioned, one of, one of, the, uh, one of the cowboys mentioned that uh, you know, some overly educated people will come in and dictate on how things should be run. You know, they have degrees in, in product management or uh, you know, efficiency or things of that sort. Yet on paper, certain ideas look great, but in the reality, you can't predict what the cow or the bull are going to do. Um, you know, how do these efficient uh, efficiency managers come in and essentially ruin the industry? Well, it, it, it's not necessarily a ruination. It's just a, a change. You know, it's just like anything. The world is always changing. And there are lots of new technology that have come in and, and morphed the cowboy way of life in, in to some extent from the gooseneck trailer to barbed wire to RFID ear tags, to genetic mutations, whatever it is, there's, there's always something new on the horizon. Uh, cast tables, as opposed 
opposed to using crews to, to flank flank calves during branding season or whenever they're doctoring. But all in large, at least on these big outfits, these big ranches, which are the ones we film, they're basically 150,000 to over a million acres. Overall, what still makes sense in working the livestock has changed very little uh, since the 1800s. You still have to use horses to go gather these large pastures. You can't use dirt bikes. You can't necessarily use helicopters or ATVs or anything like that. You need a crew of cowboys uh, who can go into the canyons and the draws and, and find these cattle and, and herd them up. John? You know, Narcy, I think it goes back to what you were saying at the beginning that, uh, you know, I think people maybe believe that technology has wiped out cowboying and as Bud just described, you know, they're still doing it more or less the same way they've been doing it since the 19th century. Um, you know, when you're out there working cows, very little has changed. Do you think that, you know, with the cowboys, they're still toiling the earth, you know, they, they have to bear the elements. You have the harsh winter, the harsh summer, um, you know, uh, a few months out of the year, whether in fall and spring, that things are relatively calm. Um, does that give us a greater appreciation uh, for nature, for, you know, I mean, you showed the, the faithful people, um, you know, more appreciation for God in that sense. Like there, there's a phrase that my mother, my mother's an immigrant and she uses this phrase, you know, if she goes to the mountains or, or by the ocean saying, you know, I'm looking at God's face because as a reference to creation. Um, do you think because we've become so accustomed to climate control in our own homes, oh, it, it's 80 degrees in the house, it's a little too hot, I'll turn the air conditioner on, oh, it's 40 degrees in the house, I'll turn the heater on, and we can adjust that. We don't have to sit there, grit, and bear it, that we don't necessarily appreciate what these men go through, or these men and women, actually. Really live into 
horses and it's the proximity to nature. You know, that it's one of the few professions where your entire working life is spent outdoors. I mean, there are not that many professions where you do that. I mean, the only thing separating you from the elements is a felt hat. Um, otherwise, you're just out there. So it's, that is a huge draw for people that choose this way of life, you know. And, I mean, it has immense rewards, obviously, like the things that your mother was talking about. And it also, you know, it's a difficult way of life. Getting up at 3.30 in the morning when it's snowing outside, knowing you've got to go work 10 hours outdoors, that's daunting, man. you got to really dig down deep to find, you know, the fortitude to go do that on a daily basis. One thing I wanted to mention, uh, were people surprised that the Cowboys are multi-ethnic? You know, you, you had black Cowboys, Hispanic Cowboys, white Cowboys. There were women out there. There were children out there being raised in this uh, industry, in this field. Like, were people surprised by that? Because I know, you know, we have the Hollywood model of what we've seen in movies for years versus what the reality is. And you guys actually showed the reality of everything. There's a poet named Waddy Mitchell, and he says the cowboy is a verb, not a noun. It's what you do more so than what your name is. And so the term cowboy doesn't just refer to men, as you mentioned, oftentimes, even though people do use the term cowgirl. When cowboys use the term cowboy, uh, it, it's basically all inclusive of everybody, more or less. And cowboying, you know, we went and cowboyed today. We're going to go cowboying tomorrow. They use it like a verb. And it is multi-ethnic. You know, here in the United States, and then branching out worldwide with the gauchos in Patagonia, and there's uh, the Parker Ranch, a large ranch in Hawaii, a large cattle ranch, but there's African-American cowboys, and there always have been. There's always been Mexican vaqueros and Mexican-American cowboys and Native American cowboys. In fact, in our film, we we have interviews and show uh, Oahe Native Americans and African-American cowboys like the legendary Jim Brooks. But it's always been part of the culture, and it is something that oftentimes people don't realize. And unfortunately, I think at least in America, the term cowboy, depending on who you're talking to, can almost take on a negative connotation, you know, using it as a term for a rogue politician or something like that. But in this culture, um, it refers to anybody and everybody who goes out in those early mornings and tends cattle horseback for a living. What did you learn by making the documentary? I mean, you know, obviously you have a connection to to these people in this uh, this world, but you know, we always learn something new when we venture out to tell a story. What was something in making the documentary that you learned that you were either unfamiliar with, or that you finally realized in fruition because it finally happened in front of your own eyes versus intellectualizing it and knowing stories about it? Well, you know, for me, it was, um, you know, I had worked on a book 
for four years on some of these same ranches before, you know, starting on the film with Bud. And I had been away from the cowboy world. You know, I was, did it in my youth, but was away for about 30 years. And I didn't know what the state of the cowboy world was when I started back on the Brooks Project, you know, and led into the film. And, you know, one of the things, honestly, that I learned myself, I talk about it now as though it, you know, should be common knowledge, is that how little it has changed. You know, is the same, even some of the same guys were still out there working as when I was doing it 35 years earlier. But, you know, even though a lot of the names had changed, it's the same kind of person that is drawn to that way of life. You know, they talk about the same things as they did 40 years earlier and then even 50 years before that. Who makes the best saddle? What ranches have the best horses to ride? You know, who's a good boss to go work for? And, you know, and again, in this film, you know, we sort of focused in on these big outfit cowboys. They're more nomadic. You know, the ranches that are much bigger, you know, run five to 10,000 mother cows, but mainly they run a full crew of cowboys and, and kind of itinerant cowboys. And, you know, it's the same. I, I mean, what I learned is it's really, you know, it's changed around the edges, but that's it. Um, you know, otherwise the same kind of people doing the same kind of work, you know, talking about the same thing. And I got to tell you, in a world where everything changes on a daily basis, there is something so comforting and refreshing about that, about a notion of something sort of staying pretty constant through time. Yeah. That's, you know, for me, I, I come from a rodeo background, and I grew up working on smaller ranches. Uh, the biggest ranch I had worked on was 30,000 acres, which is a, a pasture in some of these and uh and cutting horse outfits and, and more from a performance horse world. And uh so coming into this project I'd I'd been on some of these big ranches before in Texas but had never immersed myself into the big outfit world. You know, again just to reiterate it's these big ranches, hundred and fifty thousand plus acres that run full crews of cowboys who live on the ranch and ninety nine percent of their job is all done horseback. They're not necessarily out fixing fence or doing anything like that. They're just working cattle horseback. And so to spend years immersed in that culture and learning and staying in the bunkhouses and going on the wagons and sleeping in teepees while we created this documentary was an incredible education and uh, and just an incredible life experience, as you can imagine, you know, going to northern Nevada in an extremely remote area for a few weeks and sleeping in a teepee with a group of drifting cowboys in the spring who are branding calves is is not something that everybody gets to do. You know, I'm glad that you mentioned the branding calves thing because that was leading towards my next question. Um, has there been backlash from animal rights activists? I know, you know, branding, people think of it as being harsh and, and inhumane and cruel to the animals and the taggings. And, you know, there are the people that push for extreme veganism uh, in certain regards, like they don't even want to use smoke in trying to get honey from the bees because you didn't get uh, permission from the bees to get their honey. 
Um, so have those people like had anything to say about the documentary or do they just refuse to watch it altogether? Not at this point. We haven't had that. Um, of course, the film comes out November 17th internationally, and then it will be available to a widespread audience, and that may change. Our intention in creating this film was simply to document this culture at this point in time in contemporary America. It's someone, it's a, it's a film that someone can watch today and hopefully someone can watch in 50 years and just be able to simply sit back and say, okay, this was this culture, this was this industry at that point in time. In reference specifically to the branding, what we tried to show in this film is that these men and women are caretakers of this animal. It is in their best interest to have fat, happy, healthy cows out there on big ranges eating grass. That is what they want. They love these animals. They take care of these animals. When they brand calves, they try to separate the calf from the mother as as little time as possible so they can reunite them and get them back together. You have to identify livestock. That's you have you have to do that. And the accepted way, the most efficient way, the common way is by branding cattle. And my understanding uh is that the majority of relevant animal rights groups understand the aspect of branding cattle and realize it's just the way that it has to be done at this point in time with current technology. There's other things we do, you know, I'd reference RFID tags and things like that. We can ear tag, tattoo ears, uh, do any number of things, but they all impact that animal to some level. So as long as people do eat beef, as long as the world does continue to eat beef, and we continue to produce beef and cattle, there will need to be a system of identification for those cattle. Good. I'm, I'm glad we were able to talk about that because I know someone's going to bring it up somewhere and complain without any reason of, of uh, you know, given for, for their complaints or understanding why it's still done the way it is. There's a lot of um, misunderstanding about the beef industry for sure and I absolutely appreciate vegetarians out there and vegans I know several have several as friends and um, folks who don't eat beef you know of course perfectly acceptable but there are people who do eat beef and so that beef does need to be produced and as such you know it, it's just there's certain ways that uh, it has to get done in order to provide the world's beef in the United States is a, a massive beef producer, both within the country and internationally. But the cowboys and the ranches and the cattle that we filmed for this film, you know, these cattle are, are basically living in, in freedom in, on these massive ranches. Like I say, some of them 1.1 million acres living a life of roaming around and eating grass and uh, with, with relatively little stress. And during branding season, when they brand those calves, 
that calf is affected uh, for less than a minute of its life. You know, it's it's processed, and then it's back with its mom, and it's over and done by design. The idea is to have as little stress on these animals as possible. Um, one thing you, you guys also show in the documentary is that basically these aren't just people that are rounding up cows and driving them across the entire western plains of the United States. I mean, they love these animals. They also have to be veterinarians. They also have to be caregivers. They have to be, um, I guess, shepherd would be a, a word to use for understanding in the regard of taking care of these cattle. Um, and that was very important to show. What When you've shown this to film festivals or, or people that have seen it, were they really surprised as to how much care is being given for these animals? Especially, you know, um, you show in the documentary a calf that's being born that almost didn't make it. You know, also what happens when a calf doesn't make it? You know, do they just bury it there? Do What, what happens in that regard? Yeah, oh, R.C., by the way, that calf did not make it. Uh, I, I, I'm, that's probably like spoiler alert. Um, or anyone that hadn't seen the film yet, but you, you, I, I mean, I think audiences are surprised. And one guy talks about it when, and it, it was the lead in to the scene where you know they talk at length about caring for livestock, and you know he says everybody kind of thinks cowboys sort of you know all you do is rope and run around on your horses and whip and spur and you know yeehaw, and, but you know that's not the life of a working cowboy at all. Their whole existence is caring for these animals. You know, everything either directly or indirectly is about the care for that livestock. And if you think about it, in a year where beef prices are pretty decent, a single calf is worth the month, a month's salary for a young guy working on that ranch. So you can imagine to the ranch and the cowboys alike, you know, that's meaningful that you care for them. And on that one scene where they pull that calf and, and try and keep it alive, um, you know, that a lot of the effort goes into saving that one calf. And, um, no, I think that is a big surprise for a lot of people. And I think the whole essence of the cowboy way of life is a surprise to most people. The fact that they live four hours from town, that if you live in a camp, you're responsible for 70,000 acres of property on this ranch by yourself. And all of the livestock in that 70,000 acres is yours to care for. And, of course, you know, they love their horses the way they love their wives and their children. Um, you know, or if it's a woman, the way they love their husband and their children. They're, you know, caring for and love of horses is a huge part of working cowboys. Uh, the one thing I was absolutely surprised to learn is that they only get paid maybe two months out of the year for all the work that they do. Yeah, the ranches. Yeah, on a monthly basis, but it's the ranches that collect their money when they sell all their calves at one time. Yeah. Uh, gentlemen, before I let you go, you know, it, it's Tuesday, November 17th. I'm looking for something. I want something that's different, something that's unique, something that, you know, isn't the run-of-the-mill comedy that has a laugh track as a TV show or some mind-numbing action-adventure movie. 
and I, I'm in the mood to learn something. Why do I need to watch your documentary, Cowboys? It's a glimpse into a culture that people usually don't get to see. Like John mentioned, a lot of these people live two, three, four hours from town. You don't see them from the road. They don't go to town very often. Most people doesn't know this culture even exists. Like I'd mentioned, they pick up their beef, their food, and don't really have a second thought necessarily about where it comes from. And so this film not only explores how this culture and how these people produce the world's beef, but it also gets into the personal stories and the lives of these individuals, both men and women, and shows that they're real people with real challenges. Some of them that parallel the challenges that anybody would have, whether they live in the city or the country, and then others that are completely unique to the way that they live life. And so it's hopefully an, an educational experience for audiences. And then the way we shot it, we tried very hard to create a full cinematic experience with uh, hopefully beautiful cinematography, a custom music score that is reminiscent of old classic westerns and composers such as Elmer Bernstein and Jerome Moss, and, uh, and really tried to create an artful film that is also educational, and uh, that's why we call it a documentary portrait. Cowboys, a documentary portrait, because we wanted to make it a little bit more than what my, many people might consider to be a traditional doc. And, and I would just add to that, um, R.C., that, you know, there's a good reason people have been fascinated by cowboys throughout time. But, you know, it's it's largely based on a misunderstanding of the lives of the people that form, you know, the basis of that mythology. And this is a chance to see what, you, you know, what's behind the myth. What is really the life of a working cowboy? It is equally as fascinating as the myth, but it's in a lot of respects different. And, you know, so if you've ever wondered, or if you've ever dreamed of being a cowboy, I am confident that you would find the film meaningful. I'm hopeful, at least. Well, it's a fantastic documentary. I enjoyed it uh, immensely. I love the natural light that's used, the cinematography, the score, uh, the people that are giving their stories. Cowboy, a documentary portrait, releases nationwide November 17th. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you, RC. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for all those thoughtful questions. I, I really enjoyed this. Thank you. It was my pleasure, and I'm, I'm glad that you enjoyed our interview. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. You too. Take care, gentlemen.